This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Just like we, he was supposed to be good. So maybe there's still something left in Alex Galchenyuk given the right opportunity. But I don't want to, like, actually say that I think that and then have it clipped. Julianne's going to put in clipping Carlson. <laughs> oh, so Elon on the last show said that Galchenyuk's going to be good and then he went pointless in three games. Yes. Welcome, everyone, to Clipping Carlson, where we bring you the best in the last week from the Keeping Carlson Network. We know some of you are busy and don't have time to listen to all the amazing advice you can find from all our hosts here at the Keeping Carlson Network. So uh, we provide you this uh, this uh, potpourri of uh, what you've missed in the last week. That first clip came from the Keeping Carlson main show uh, last Sunday, where uh, Elon wanted to basically tell everyone, just keep an eye on Alex Galchenyuk, we, who has uh, good line mates in Toronto. Uh, but uh, we're a bit like uh, the Beetlejuice or the Candyman of the Keeping Carlson network here at Clipping Carlson. So uh, if you mention our name once, we won't appear to you, but you will appear on Clipping Carlson. You know how sometimes a player after an injury will go to another specialist for a second opinion? Well, we got the fantasy hockey advice equivalent a couple times this week. Uh, let's start with Matt Zuccarello, who has been on a complete tear this season playing with uh, Kirill Kaprizov since uh, coming back from injury. So the guys from Keeping Crossing on Sunday wondered basically, uh, has he done enough for us to give him a... Uh, a bigger leash if he slows down. Is he like back to the Zook of old where like we knew he was going to be a solid producer for the rest of the way? Or does he still have to earn even more confidence from you before you'd even hold him if let's say he goes pointless for the next couple games? A couple games of pointlessness from Zuccarello, I'll deal with. I, I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet, frankly. I added Zuccarello myself to my couple team, expecting him to be like a one and done. And a month later, still on my roster, and there's one big reason why and the reason is that Matt Zuccarello has been on the ice for 20 goals this season he scored five of them himself he was the primary assist on 10 of them and he was the secondary assist on five more which means if you're doing the math in your head that Matt Zuccarello has been on the ice for 20 goals and he has picked up 20 points on those 20 goals in all situations which gives him a 100% points participation rate aka IPP which is not going to hold. But here's the thing. You're asking me, like, what do we do? And how soon do we jump ship on him? I don't think you jump ship on Matt Zuccarello. I think you run out the streak. Well, one other factor here is Minnesota has one of the better schedules the rest of the season in terms of games played. Depending on your roster composition, you might not have room for him on all your off nights. But there's a lot of games remaining for Minnesota, and Zuccarello's in a good place on the depth chart. And like you said, we've known that he has the capacity to be a reliable 60-point player. This could be the right situation for him. So I just don't think you should be too trigger-happy on the drop button. If you do see him cold for two, three, 
even four games, I would deal with. Zuccarello was on a three-game pointless streak before his game on Thursday night, so the guys from Short Shifts decided to add their green. On Keeping Carlson last week, Brian was saying he's not concerned about a cold streak for Zuccarello, and I would agree with that if I felt confident that that line stays together. But since Minnesota has such sketchy depth, like there just is not a ton of scoring punch up and down the lineup, I think they're just going to have to be a team that rotates their lines fairly regularly to try and manufacture a little bit of a spark. And that to me means that Zuccarello is vulnerable to quite a bit of instability in his deployment, just because I don't think he's, you know, their clear best winger that has to be on a line with Kaprizov. I think he fit really well to start the year. And right now it looks like he, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him shuffle down the lineup. When that happens, I'm, I'm kind of done with him, to be honest. Yeah, I feel the same. I think if you were able to grab him early on when, when he's first started taking off, you know, they started with the first game back, really, it, you were playing with found money, right? It was a great bonus. It cost you probably nothing to get him in. Uh, and you should sort of take that approach with you. You shouldn't think necessarily that since you've had him for a while, you got to keep him. Uh, I might be even looking to potentially offload him if I can find someone who, you know, you can say, look, it's just a little slump here. He's still playing with the same line mates for now. Uh, and, you know, maybe convince them that he's going to uh, show you something a little bit later down the line. On YouTube's live streams on Sunday night, the guys from Keeping Carlson were talking about Nikolai Healers and the great season he's having in Winnipeg. Someone mentioned in the comments how Blake Wheeler was on a cold, very cold streak and the Brian and Elon sort of flashed a bad signal for Ben and Lewis to dive deeper uh, this week on the Jets captain. Uh, so he's got only one point in his last four games, only like three points in his last nine games. Like Blake Wheeler has been doing nothing lately. So I don't know. That's concerning. Yeah. And this is following a, a bunch of criticism uh, it was around like the 10 game mark where it's like Blake Wheeler seems to have disappeared. What's he doing? And he had a cold snap then that he bounced back from. But yeah, just three points in his last nine, two points in his last eight, if I want to slice it another way. And I'm not looking too deep at his numbers, but he has been in the minuses for the last five games in the plus minus column, which doesn't mean a ton to me, but that's not terribly characteristic for Blake Wheeler. So I'm not sure exactly what's happening. Maybe someone to look into a little further for next week if this slide continues. All right. Well, uh, on the Sunday show, you may have heard Brian and Elon sent up the bat signal with regards to Blake Wheeler, our opinion on him after Sunday's mega show. This is a guy who did score on Monday, so maybe the panic has subsided a little bit, but this is a guy with just three points in his last nine games. He's on pace for 69 points. This would be his first time below a 70-point pace in six years. We've seen his shot rate continue to decline ever since 2017. Uh, his 5v5 scoring rates have been dropping for years as well. Really, the only thing that's keeping him propped up right now uh, as a top-tier option is this very productive power play in Winnipeg. I think we're starting to see Father Time start to catch up with Blake Wheeler, who has really kept him at arm's length here. Now, 69 points obviously is a great pace, very strong. You know, not saying that this guy is washed yet, but I think we should be a little bit concerned with how, you know, long this, this slump has sort of extended. How are you feeling on Wheeler right now? What, what, what would you do with him at this point? I mean, the panic meter, I would say, is a round of five, not because I think that he's a drop, but because I, I just don't think that he's 
you know, for a while there, he was kind of this guy that you could get at around the end of the second into the third round. And he would just be so productive, like 70 plus point seasons every year. And that was, you know, before scoring even skyrocketed in the past two or three seasons. So, I mean, I've loved Wheeler forever, but it's really tough to see those those shot rates drop and to see the points going down and not kind of come to the conclusion that we've we've passed peak Wheeler. We also had two opinions on the on the rookie winger from the Dallas Stars, Jason Robertson, this week. He was first recommended as a pickup Sunday on the stream scheme. Our next forward streamer pick is Jason Robertson of the Dallas Stars. Who in the world is Jason Robertson? I have no idea, but apparently more people know about him than Eli Tolvanen because Robertson has a higher rosterage than him at 6% compared to Tolvanen's 5% in Yahoo leagues. But it is for a reason. Jason Robertson is getting incredibly good deployment down there in Dallas. I don't want to say he's getting primo deploymento because I'd call Ben and Pavelski the top line, but... Robertson is getting to play with them on the power play. Kind of weird that he's playing with them on the power play, but not at even strength. Either way, though, Robertson is playing with a great line at even strength alongside Gurionov and Rupe Hints, providing that Hints actually plays. Rupe Hints, are you hurt or are you injured? Frickin' pick one because I've had it up to here with this never-ending game time decision malarkey. But I digress. Hard to get a better opportunity here than Robertson has right now. He's getting a boatload of ice time. He's shooting the buck a bunch. He does have three points in his last three games, so he might be due to cool off this week. But I can't pass up the great deployment he has right now for Robertson. And when the Stars play four times this week with two off-day games in there, it means time to pick up Jason Robertson. Ben and Lewis from Short Shifts also noticed Robertson's hot streak. They decided to take a look into why he's been so good lately. Uh, this guy has got five assists in the last five games. He's been getting top power play deployment. Two of those assists have come on the power play uh, and has been averaging three shots a game during that stretch as well without yet being rewarded. You think that sooner or later one of those is going to trickle its way across the goal line. Uh, so definitely someone worth taking a look at. Uh, not rostered very highly, but has been quite productive uh, and, you know, um, for a pretty solid Dallas power play. Yeah, I I think that Jason Robertson looks like a player. We've talked about Dallas a ton over the past few years, and what's really limited some of their players is the up and down time on ice. Typically, they just, they really even out those lines. And that's kind of the main thing that concerns me with Robertson is just, we've seen players go up and we see players go down in Dallas. And so, as long as he's getting that time on ice, I think you can ride him. But that's what I'm keeping my eye on, that and the shot rates, to, to make sure that he remains rosterable. Some of you might have picked up Matias Sekom while he was replacing an injured Roman Yossi on Nashville's top power play. Uh, and you might wonder, well, where's his value now that Yossi's back? Well, the guys from Short Shifts got you covered. Do you think that the return of Yossi, therefore putting Ekholm back down to power play two, makes him droppable in most spots, or do you think he's still valuable? So he's interesting. You know, he was somewhat of a contributor here outside. Obviously, much better once he was, you know, moving up in role and importance. Still someone who very much is on the potential, you know, trading block, but I would imagine that wherever he ends up, if he's going to a contender, he's not going to step into a power play one role there either. So yeah, I think he definitely takes a hit. I think you should be evaluating how much he really brings to you uh, in your particular 
setting. Um, but you know, watch the watch the ice time. Check frozen tools after the game. See how he was deployed, and then try to make a, an educated guess there. You know, as how to, it might move forward. But yeah, I would certainly be casting a skeptical eye as we get into crunch time and people are really trying to find you know whatever they mine whatever they can out of the waiver wire to stay ahead in their leagues. I think that Matthias Ekholm to me in a bangers league, I think maintains value where he he shoots and blocks quite a bit or or has been since returning from the injury you mentioned before, you know, averaging almost three shots a game from a defenseman that that's pretty good. So I'm I'm still holding on to him in the cupful and any league where his his shot rates, as long as they stay consistent, I, I think he's still a very good fantasy option. After an amazingly slow start to the season. Uh, the Elon and Brian wondered on Sunday if Mika Zibanejad was really back after a six-point game against the Philadelphia Flyers la- last week. Let's go to number two on this list of Frozen Tools' hottest players right now currently in the NHL, and it is. I'm, I'm so excited to say this, Brian. It's Mika Zibanejad. It's number two. This is not just me deciding, oh, I just want to figure out a way to shoehorn Mika Zibanejad onto the show. He's number two on the list. He had a goal and an assist in the 3-1 win over Washington on Saturday, bringing him to 10 points in his last five games. I'm also loving the three and four shot and goal games lately, the 21 and a half plus minutes in his last couple of games. Like I actually uh, special guested, as I'm sure you heard, on the short shifts on Thursday. And Lewis asked me if Mika is back to the old Mika. And I was kind of hedging. I was saying like, like I would hold on to him. Like I don't think that he's worth like selling high on quote unquote. But I doubt he's like as good as last year just because of one good game. But I don't know. I'm starting to feel like maybe I was wrong. Maybe I should have gone harder and just been like, no, Mika's back because he's looking really good over this last week. I know you're excited and every Zubinijad manager should be. Let yourself get excited and feel good about this run that Zubinijad is (laughs) on. For the next one minute before Brian tells you not to. (laughs) No, I'm not even, I'm not even going to knock him down a whole lot. I will say, sure. Okay. I'll just skip to that part then. Uh, In his last 14, while he's been on this run, Zubinijad at five on five has a 90% IPP shooting 20%, which like, okay, they're high, but they're not, I mean, it doesn't get much higher, but I'm just saying, like, I still believe that even when regression hits, he's still going to be doing well because, well, one thing you said, Elon, was those minutes are coming back. Another positive sign that you mentioned, Elon, Zvinjad's shots are back and their danger level is also ticking upwards. In February, Zvinjad was on a stretch where he had just 19 shots in 10 games. In his last eight games, though... He has 29 shots, and that's back in that three-and-a-half to four-shot-per-game territory that we're so happy to see Zibanejad in last year. So there's lots of positive signs here. I'm not sure he's 100% back to the level you drafted him, hoping for him to be at, but Zibanejad is at least somewhere on the road towards it. It's almost as if Mika Zibanejad would listen to Brian say, I wonder if he's 100% back. Well, to leave no doubt, he got another six-point performance against the Flyers on Thursday. On Sunday, Elon and Brian also took a look at Max Pacioretty's uh, career season so far. Is it all sustainable, or should we be selling high before it's too late? It's pretty wild that Pacioretty, by the way, was a 50-point guy for a couple seasons before breaking out for that 76-point pace last year, only to now like blow that number out of the water this season with 30 points in 28 games so far. That's an 88-point pace. He's currently ranked 8th in our couple league scoring, so that's you know mostly focused on goals and assists, and like, but also really benefiting from his shots. Uh, so yeah, Pacioretty, like, a great steal in drafts this year, because I think, if anything, you were thinking, okay, maybe he'll stick at that 76 point pace probably even regress a little bit but i don't know if anyone's expecting him to like jump up again maybe correct me if you if i'm wrong and you were thinking that that we went deep 
into Pacioretty's season last year. And the the TLDR of it is that Pacioretty basically reinvented his game to reach career highs at age 31 in his second year in Vegas. And now Pacioretty has maintained those highs this year, right? The big question was, okay, he reinvented himself at 31. Is it actually something he can keep up? And the answer, based on the data so far this season, is yes, Pacioretty has been able to sustain that crazy year where he reinvented himself. And I really do believe nearly everything I see from Pacioretty this year, the difference between last year's 76-point pace and this year's 88-point pace for him, though, is in his on-ice shooting percentage, which was 8.5% last year, 12% this year. Maybe somewhere in the middle of those two numbers is reasonable. So, uh, like, that's a a point-per-game player who, by the way, only has five power play points in 28 games, which isn't obscenely low, but uh, it's low. Um, You know, considering that maybe he'll get another extra uh, couple power play points and maybe a couple fewer of the shots taken while he's on the ice are going to go in. I think that washes out to still being able to expect about an 80-point pace for Max Pacioretty the rest of the season, so long as he's healthy. That's it for this week's episode of Clipping Carlson. Hope you liked it. As always, we invite you to listen to all the other shows of the Keeping Carlson Network. So it's the Stat Attack, Stream Scheme, Short Shifts two times a week, and of course, the Sunday main show of Keeping Carlson with Brian and Elon. So hope you like it, everyone. Have a good week, and we'll uh, talk again on the next episode of Clipping Carlson next Saturday.